0: Human design is an amalgamation of several facets of spirituality. The I Ching, astrology, chakras, Kabbalah, all combine beautifully into one system. Mary Rose and Mary Letitia have been exploring their own designs for the last year. This podcast is an extension of that exploration. Come learn laugh and grow with us as we become guided by design. Good morning. This is Mary Rose. And I'm Mary Letitia. How are you this morning? I'm doing very well. I have a cup of joe, my best friend's on Zoom with me. I really can't complain at all this morning. Awesome,
1: the weather's nice. Everything's good. Yep, the,
0: the, de- the mornings are definitely getting shorter. We are heading straight into fall and into a winter is coming. Winter, winter is coming.
1: <laughs> I was listening to Georgia and Karen yesterday on My Favorite Murder, because they're back. They took like two months off this year. And um, when they came back, they, Georgia had been convinced to watch some Game of Thrones because she's not interested. And uh, Karen was like, yeah, you really should watch one episode. If you can get through one, get through three and see if you like it or not. But remember, it's like a fantasy soap opera. Like, that's what you watch. Total fantasy soap opera.
0: With tit. it. <laughs> so many boobs
1: so many boobs yeah she was like am, am i okay to watch the first episode with my dad i guess she messaged messaged out on twitter or something and everybody was like no no you are not do not watch this with your father <laughs> yeah
0: that's probably a bad idea because spoiler yeah. alert dad get beheaded in the first episode
1: <laughs> well and i think there's some incest in the first
0: episode oh, too I knew the incest, too, because actually my husband was watching a movie the other day, and he, one of the characters was the, the brother in that relationship. He's like, you know, he said something about it, and I was like, oh, okay, that All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't really get into Game of Thrones. I watched the whole first season. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. I didn't really feel compelled. I liked
1: it, but if I... If I don't rewatch something, I didn't like it that much, so yeah. I, I never rewatched it.
0: Agreed. I, I there's a, there's shows that I will go back and re rewatch the entire series again. Like the one in particular, Fringe. I love, even though I watch it now and I'm like, oh, it's kind of kitschy. It's very X Files ish. Um, we're, we're actually saying X Files. Dad and Elora started watching X Files together from the beginning and nice. so we're, we're wa- we from watched last night and it's like 1993 I'm like holy shit
1: it's so old before cell phones like before everybody carried
0: a cell phone in their yeah. pocket all the time there's a lot of landlines I mean they do have cell phones but they're so like boxy they're definitely the old <laughs> cell phone and yeah not everyone has them Can you imagine? That's so funny. Everybody can take pictures of everything now. So, X Files stuff is like, but we still haven't seen many more aliens, I would say, even though we have cell phones to record everything.
1: Oh, I think we've seen a lot more aliens since we've had cell phones. Did you watch that UFO series? No. On HBO? Well, you should
0: probably watch it. I'm 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 not a disbeliever in UFOs, but I definitely don't watch any TV shows about UFOs.
1: Yeah, this one had ex-military and all sorts of people who are really reckonable. Like saying, Rest- "Yeah, the government's been covering <laughs> this shit up for a long time."
0: Oh, I have no doubt. I have no. I don't need a show to tell me that. I, I'm. I'm no. I- I'm reasonably sure.
1: Well, it was just funny because at the beginning, the first episode, I'm like, God, this footage is so shitty. You'd think we get better footage now that everybody's carrying a phone. And then we watched the next episode. I was like, oh, shit, babe, the footage got better. And there's more of it.
0: Yep. <laughs> Hours of footage.
1: But I I heard another theory yesterday because they were they were talking, and I don't even remember which podcast I was listening to, but they were talking about um bigfoot and how bigfoot's probably an neanderthal ghost and i was like oh shit, that makes way more sense oh! that's some flashy pictures. yeah but if he's a ghost that's why we're not finding any remains
0: <laughs> yep those remains are long gone all we're left with is yep. the is the caveman ghost it's like a caveman <laughs> Caveman Ghost, that's pretty Mm -hmm. wild too when you think about that. Like that would be a great name for like a band or an album or something.
1: Yes, it would.
0: Well, and and we are stream of conscious recording today. Everybody, we will get to a topic but right now it's just everything we're thinking of. And um, the movie The Net, talk about old technology in films. Uh, The Net with Sandra Bullock. It was like when she was a hacker and, uh-huh. and what made me think of it was like the website that there was, that got her into the dark web was called Mozart's ghost. I remember that. This is the <laughs> that takes up space and rent free in my brain since I saw it in a movie theater at the, I had to have been like 13. I'm going to see when the net was made. The net 1995 okay so that does make a lot of sense let me see when the that's so funny i'll be honest like um the pelican brief and those kinds of movies that really was like very much uh it really i had a major boner for movies with strong female leads um And the Pelican Brief was 1993. I taught myself to French braid my own hair watching the Pelican Brief on VHS in my home. So, what, okay, so you, what, any other new podcast since you just plugged old MFM and we've talked about them a million times before? (laughs) No, not really.
1: Just, uh. Stuff you should know. I'm sure that's where I heard the the caveman ghost. I love the scientific podcasts where they talk about things that stuff they don't want you to know and then stuff that you should know. Stuff you missed in history class. Those are three of my favorite podcasts because I learn new things every
0: week. I really haven't listened to very many podcasts. If anything, I've been going back and re-listening to old episodes of I Saw What You Did um, because I, my daughter had started watching The Shining with her father. So I was like, I want you, before you finish The Shining, I want you to listen to this episode. She didn't listen to the whole thing. But um, I did make her listen to a little bit of that one. And then I decided yesterday, I'm finding that I want to go back. I don't want to listen to the whole episode. It's really going back into the specific films that I want to re-listen to. And, um... So yesterday I I decided I wanted to go back and take a visit with Dante's Peak just because I just love that that episode and that section. I mean, Joe versus the Volcano, don't get me wrong, it's great. Their conversation around it is great. I love that movie so much. But um I was really more curious to because sometimes Coulter will say funny things like like oh, I said we are going to watch um we should watch I can't remember what it was, but then he's like, we should watch Dante's, I think you mean Dante's Peak, and I'm like, I always mean Dante's Peak, I'm trying to remember what it was. Is there another show with Dante in it? I can't remember. It was like literally last we had this conversation. That was
1: such an awesome episode, too. I freaking love
0: it. I do, too. They laugh so hard episode they did laugh so hard and really because and it's because i love the episodes where i've seen both the movies i I love the episodes where i haven't seen the movies which is i actually really liked listening to the movie that they did along with the shining the one that was um the elizabeth taylor montgomery clift movie the the tell mama all a place in the sun that one where they talked about the that movie tell mama all that oh my god it still makes me laugh
1: And me too, every time I think about it.
0: Um, But yeah, I haven't really listened to very much new stuff this week. There hasn't been a lot of new episodes coming out for the podcast that I listen to. Um, And I have gotten a couple new books downloaded that I'm very, very excited about. One of which I'll tell you is called... The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, and it's by V.E. Schwab, and when I'd read about this, V.E. Schwab kind of writes, it's kind of like young adults. I'd read a book Mm -hmm. um, that was really interesting, and I've got it in my bedroom. I'm not going to come up with the name of it, but it, it had like different versions of London that all kind of stack on top of each other magically, and so that was kind of an interesting book, but this one, is about a woman who essentially like eternal life, but in exchange, but the bargain that she struck was that no one will remember her. So she'll live forever, but no one will remember her. Like she'll meet someone and within minutes of meeting them, they will start forgetting her. It's just, it's already, it's fascinating. And I am super interested to see where the story goes. Does that
1: seem like an own private hell to someone like you?
0: Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially to someone like me, who um, I just I I'm I'm so intrigued about this because, like, I think it's the aspect of like, can she have children and will her children remember her? Mm-hmm. And like, it's kind of the reverse of losing your memory and dementia. It's that everyone around you. I mean, I I think that just in the very first few pages of this book, it's illustrating how desperately she wants this one to be different, like this man to be different. She wants this person to kind of break through the curse and and remember her, but it's just, yeah. So I think it'll be interesting. I just started it within the last couple of days. I got it through the library. I love, if, if you aren't checking out books digitally through a library, everyone, I suggest that you check to see if your library offers that service because I've been reading books for at least, I feel like the last, nine years 10 years digitally through my public library and it is um yeah it's amazing The very first book I ever read through the library digitally on my phone was the girl with the dragon tattoo was it mm-hmm. I remember it's it's still that book haunts me it's such a such a good book such a good series i kind of even read into the new series a little bit but i think that would be one that i could easily go back and reread the the three main books i just haven't done it yet so oh but speaking of rereading in about eight days september 18th will be the the start date of my reread of my favorite book series a discovery of witches Um, the first book literally the first day of the book takes place on September 18th and I have a guide I'm such a nerd I have a guide that tells me what chapters to read on what days to match up perfectly with what's occurring in the book from September 18th all the way through October 31st which is torturous it's torturous to but I mean it's such a once a year kind of experience and I really do then I just speed my way through the rest of the two books. I just like, so
1: that's what I was just gonna ask you. So that's just for the one book is from the September 18th through October 31st. Mm -hmm. I want to do that with you this year. Will you, you the guide? Because I have it on audio so I could listen to it the same days that you do because I started it last year but I didn't end up finishing it because spooky season was over and I moved on to something else. Cuz I didn't I don't think I started it until gosh two or three days before Halloween.
0: So. Yes, I can send you the calendar because I have a screenshot of the calendar and you can okay. so I set it up in my I use Google Keep of course and so I set it up so that it would um basically every day pop up a, a, an image of this calendar that would say here, here so I'm, I'm texting it to you, Right, meow, um, but you read okay. like chapter one and then you don't read again until the 21st where you read two more chapters. And then you keep going. So maybe setting up your, your if you go in, if you take the time, again, absolute nerd, deep, <laughs> deep, deep nerd <laughs> shit right here um, setting it up so that each of your calendar days tells you what chapters to listen to. Um, but yeah, it is, it is my favorite book. I love it so much. And, um, yeah, I'd love it if you, we even have a, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm outing myself in such a big way, but I even have a messenger group chat with a few girls (laughs) where we set that up to, do the real-time reading so we can all be like oh my gosh it's so hard like it's so hard not to just like blow through it and just read all of it it takes control it takes a level of control that i didn't know was possible but here let me before we get too far i'm going to really quickly turn on the waiting room so that i can pay attention to that and so um what's our topic today we, we've got a topic I know we just stream of conscious talked about every movie and podcast and book that we're interested in <laughs> the last 10 minutes
1: well it's becoming our favorite time of the year and um I feel like that's that's worth recognizing fall is yeah. absolutely my favorite time of the year okay. um I love it when the' I do miss the sunshine, but at the same time, I'm totally okay with these dark mornings because it means that cool is here and I don't have to be super hot and sweaty all day. Um, Today, we're going to talk about relationships, I think specifically with our children and regards to human design and past observations as well as current.
0: Exactly. So we were just double checking because it is... um, I I think it would be interesting if we had kids that had different authority from both of us, but we have three children or five children between the two of us. So Mary Mary Letitia has three and myself, Mary Rose, I have two. And she has two manifesting generators, which would be Trevor and Emily, her oldest and her youngest, and then a generator, Michaela, her middle child. And I have and a generator, my daughter, Laura, and a manifesting generator, my son, Coulter. And all five of these kids have emotional authority, which makes it, I guess, you know, that is a nice way of being able to, because they have the same authority as us, we have this ability to recognize a little bit of of that in them Um, but Mary and I are coming from a little bit of different perspectives because her kids are all grown. Like her oldest just graduated from high school or her youngest just graduated from high school in May. And my kids are both still like entrenched. I have a freshman in in high school and a sixth grader in middle school. So she's kind of now in, we'd call the later stages of parenting actually now a grandparent. Her oldest just had. his his fiance just had their first child together so she's coming into this with um this new baby i guess that's also the thing is that just as all of your kids have been parented all the way through now the the grandparenting begins hmm and I, I, um, of course, as soon as we knew what time that baby was born, I ran a chart for that baby. And that baby is also a manifesting generator with emotional authority.
1: <laughs> so I did just double check our dad because he's actually just a generator with emotional authority. Oh,
0: is he? Oh, okay. Yeah, the
1: only manifesting generator I have is Emily and gotcha. Troy I knew
0: was, it was born. One. I thought it was MG. So yeah. my mistake.
1: No, that's okay. I just had to double check because I'm like, no, because that's my confusion. I thought his whole life, like, because he was, people tried to diagnose him ADHD and all sorts of stuff. So he really is on the cusp, I think, of being a manifesting generator, but he's just a generator. But he created a little manifesting generator and that's exciting. I tried to tell them a little bit about her and they both kind of looked at me with blank stares and I was like, well... I was like, Josie will learn more. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I was like, let's put it this way. She's a lot like your little sister. She's going to be a lot like Emily. So that gave Trevor some perspective because he grew up with Emily. So I was like, don't don't let her uh, energy get to you.
0: Yeah, and definitely don't um, try to. I feel like that's kind of the thing, especially because you are a generator mom and seeing that manifesting generators are a little bit more distractible and that their energy seems a little, it seems more scattered. I don't want to say it is more scattered because it is really just perception and awareness of that energy is that they get lit up so quickly, but then they lose that that tenacity for things just as quickly and it can be very frustrating because you're just like why don't you just pick something and stick with it and it's like that mentality of why don't you just pick something and stick with it is so the opposite of what an mg really needs in terms of support um that's where they really start getting conditioned to think that their their inability to just stick with one thing is a weakness rather than a strength which is you know the, what we want to avoid. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So since we've started on manifesting generators, do you want to talk a little bit about yours? And then I'll talk about mine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Especially because of authority and raising a boy with emotional authority. Um, so my manifesting generator is 12. And, you know, that's been a big thing. And it's even it has been an annoyance to me. I'm not going to lie as a mom the constantly changing interests is super um super frustrating because it's like he gets so interested in something and i and but i mean this is the thing is i i feel like i was this way all growing up too um so i have even some channels and some gates that might that might interpret be interpreted this way is like like I would go through a phase with country music or I'd go through a phase with the Sandlot. I'd go through a phase with *Newsies*. you know, I had phases as a child. And so that did give me some compassion for Coulter, but his phases, you know, are, um, you know, he just, he goes through phases and every phase requires new toys and new bullshit, which is the thing is like, I didn't get new toys and new bullshit um, because most of my phases really did happen like when I was kind of adolescence. And so my parents didn't really like um, entertain those phases, I think the same way that I have. But one thing that I've really encouraged and I've seen has been a consistent thing in his life has been cosplay and playing with costumes. He's always been a kid who loves to play with costumes. Um, And like, I noticed that we had some, Dad shared some pictures with me recently, and he continues even to this day to think about costumes and what he can do. So I really think that like this kid, it's harder because of the fact that he's so distractible and he wants to just start building that plane. He doesn't want to plan it at all. And I'm like, but here's the thing, he gets so frustrated with the end result when he doesn't do any planning that then he tends to just throw the whole thing out the window and i'm so i've been really working with him on talking about why you know it is important to take that vision that because like it's never as perfect as it is in his head he wants it to be as perfect as it is in his head but he doesn't really have the patience for himself to put in the time to make it as perfect as it is in his head so that has been something that we've really talked through and especially with his emotional authority like he gets so frustrated at times and i'm like it's okay to be frustrated and it's okay to even cry when you're frustrated like that is a normal response to being frustrated um i'd rather you cry than hit something so that's been a lot of you know really kind of talking to him about why it's okay to feel i know that that is something that more boys need whether they're emotional authority or not is That the way that we feel is valid, and like even on days he'll like he'll cry and he doesn't know why he's crying, and I'm always like it's okay, like that's okay. You don't have to know why you're crying. Really, the most important thing is just that you feel that that you have a safe place here that you can just cry if you need to. That's it. I don't. You don't have to explain to me. It's always that rational trying to rationalize why we, why our feelings are coming out of our eyes and leaking out in the form of tears. And I'm, I've really talked a lot about how there's no reason to be rational when it comes to emotion, emotional reaction.
1: Yes. I wish I wasn't so conditioned when my kids were younger about the crying thing, because I was always told that you can cry. Like that was a big deal in my house. Like, don't don't be showing tears or i'll give you something to cry about and and it was a real thing like i would really get my ass beat if i couldn't stop crying and as an emotional authority now as an adult i'm like oh my god and and i probably did some of those same things to my children when they were little now as they grew up i made sure that there was I seen the, manif- the the things that manifested from not being able to just cry. And um, I was a little late, but now my son is super sensitive in my opinion. I know he cried when his daughter was born. I know he had a couple crying sessions while his wife was in labor and why he felt very helpless. And I felt good that I was able to talk to him a little bit about that before he went into that labor room and experience this because it is a very emotional experience to bring a child into this world and to watch it as a helpless man and i and i said you you are such a doer because he is that generator i said you're such a doer it's going to be very frustrating for you to to be in that hospital and to not be able to do anything for this woman that you love that is bringing in your child into the world. And she's going to go through a lot of different ups and downs. And all you can do is be there and love her and support her through that. And you're going to feel frustrated through that. I said, so you have really got to just let that frustration out a couple of times. I said if you need to walk out of that room and go cry in the bathroom or whatever you need to do, do that so that you can be nothing but supportive for her while, while you guys are going through this, because it is. It is going to be an experience like you've never experienced before. And when I first got to see him, I didn't get to see the baby while they were in the hospital, but I brought them food and coffee and other things. And the first moment I got to see him, his his eyes opened up. I was like, emotional experience, huh? And he was like, more than anything I've ever been through.
0: <laughs> yeah. And probably seeing you at, while, you know, going through like, we, we kind of tend to think it's all mental, but it's really like our body set, you know, even seeing our mom, it releases like those, like it it triggers things inside of us. It's like, you know, the knowing that this, this person saw you first when you were born and now she's witness, she's seeing you after you've now had this life altering event and knowing that like, she's played a role in you even getting to this point is still very like emotional. Like it's me a little verklempt just thinking about it. <laughs> um, and that gave me some perspective because my manifesting generator husband probably felt, I mean, that is the thing is like when he feels very helpless or like he can't be doing anything, we, we kind of take for granted. Oh, well, it must be nice to just not have anything to do, but how, how their energy is so pent up inside of them too like there is no outlet for that while they're waiting so it can that's where our body stress and it becomes like a trauma we we are experiencing a, even though it's a beautiful trauma we we tend to think of trauma as always being these negative things but no trauma can be positive things too and it's just like being able to then also recognize that release it in a healthy way you know say that it, you know some people labor in and of itself can actually probably cause things to happen that, um, in the person, not even having the baby that are trauma related that we might take for granted because we just think, oh, well, you're getting a baby at the end of it. So it should be no problem. And it's like, no, don't take for granted that just because there's a baby coming at the end does not mean that there's any less of a trauma happening in a
1: experience. Yep. Yeah during the actual experience. Um, but going back to manifesting generators, so my manifesting generator is 18. Um, she just graduated high school. And I think it's been really um, interesting knowing her emotional authority now um, and and watching her make some life decisions because she is very, I want to do this. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. Um, and wanting it to to all fall together right, um, but not really listening to herself through this process. Mm-hmm. So um, immediately she was gonna move out of the house. So immediately she started you know, f- trying to find apartments and she's got two cats and a dog, good luck. And that's kind of what I had said to her and she got really angry with me and really frustrated with me. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, you go ahead and do your research and figure out maybe you can find something. And she comes back a couple weeks later and she's like, it's impossible without spending $2,000 a month to be able to get an apartment where I can have my two cats and a dog. I was like, yep. Um, so just watching her trying to make these bigger life decisions is interesting because I know she needs to go through an emotional wave while she's making these decisions. And luckily she changes her mind often enough that I, they've only got to see her go through through the emotional wave, through one thing. And I think that she's making good decisions when she's able to do that. So she does wanna quit working for her mom and that's okay. I knew that this was gonna come at some point. Um, And she's really, she really had a hard time telling me that up front at first, you know, that she wanted to go. And I knew that she wanted to move out to Washington and do this flight attendant school and that that was exciting. We already started to enroll her. But we got to a point in that enrollment where she's like, okay, I think that we should stop here and, and wait. And I was like, okay, that's that's good, I'm letting her listen to herself. Um, and she comes back to me two weeks later, almost exactly, and says, okay, I don't want to go in November, I'd like to wait until January, because I don't want to have to worry about coming home for the holidays. But, okay, that's a really good decision to make there. She's like, so what do I have between January and May that I'll have to come back for? I was like, well, the only thing is your brother's wedding in March. Um, you'll have to come back for that. But other than that, you should be fine to stay there. So she's, she is, I think it's really nice to be able to see her take some time and have this emotional wave and be able to really think through that and feel through that in her gut. And, and come back to me and say, okay, well, I think maybe this is what I want to do. And I do see as she's getting older that she is having a little more space between changing her mind every five minutes. Now, food, she's still changing her mind every five minutes. But when it comes to life decisions, she's actually really sitting on them for a minute. Did and I have, do like that.
0: Is buying things the same as food? Because I tell you, like, my son, as soon as he gets his hands on some money, he is like... I want to buy this like he immediately wants it out of his hands so quickly and i'm like dude you need to chill there's no reason like it's con it's so a um that's where i really feel like the sacral is always lit up yes to buy things for them and then you're like listen if you keep going with that lit up sacral every time that you have a yes instead of like giving yourself some time to think, is this really a wise use of the little bit of money that I have right now? Um, You know, that I think that that's where, when you you don't give them easy access to their money. (laughs) And I know for an 18 year old, it's not like you can do that anymore. But like with Coulter, it's, I, I usually am like, okay, well, keep that in mind. Think about it because, you know, you might change your mind and not to say that you can't change your mind or that you w- will change your mind, but it's just, yeah, money is like one of those things that as soon as they have their hands on some money, I feel like that is where their sacral, because they're a manifesting generator, they, their sacral is like, yes, and but they they don't necessarily have that patience for the emotional wave to be able to say like, is this really... will i want to will i regret this decision later just because i wanted to to have that sacral yes satisfied now
1: Yeah, I think not only with money but travel, like she will jump on a travel opportunity before she thinks that out at
0: all with anyone.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wait a second, have you thought about this at all? Have you?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right, too. Yeah, that's a, another good one, too. And then, there, does she get super frustrated when it's like a no or when you're like, um, you like that's I th- feel like a, a theme, too, is the frustration of a manifesting generator when they want something and they can't have it right away is like tantrum level. It's like mm-hmm. tantrum level. If you want it and you don't get it, you're going to fucking let everybody know how pissed you are that you're not getting what you want, at least from my experience, I'm seeing. That.
1: Yes. And I would say that I have watched that ease up with age, which is nice. Um, But it is part of the reason that she had to go live with her dad and grandmother for a year of her life because I couldn't tell her no. We were at a point in her life where she absolutely wouldn't accept no. And I was like, okay, go figure it out then. Go check it out. See what you think. And about six months in, she was like, I don't like this anymore. And I was like, sorry, you got to wait till the end of the school year.
0: Yeah, because it's not that you're not going to get a no from these other people or these other places. And that's where sometimes learning that you have to accept no, whether it's from your mom or from some other person in an authority role. And I feel like that's where it, 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 yeah, you learn very quickly that the no is sometimes it serves you more than the yes does. And I feel like that is like the, the lesson that a manifesting generator will hopefully you know the, the lesson that if they learn it early enough that no's aren't there to to hold them down and keep them down no's are there to give them space and time to make sure that they're no or that the that the yes is actually a real yes not just the, their sacral gets so lit up all the time with possibility and response i mean that's the thing their strategy being wait to respond it's like life is always giving them something to respond to and say yes to all the time. And the sacral can be very tempting to listen to and be guided by all the time. But that emotional authority for big decisions, um, and maybe, you know, spending 10 bucks on something, wasting 10 bucks is not a big decision, but it's like the eventuality that all of those $10 rolled up, you know, if you keep saying yes to all of those things, every $10 that you have, that's a hundred dollars eventually that you're going to wish you maybe would have, giving yourself more pause on um, because you don't get it back. I mean, Mm -hmm. you do. I mean, abundance mindset means that, yes, you'll probably get it back. But if you keep spending it that same way, you're going to lose it just as quickly as you make it back from an abundance standpoint.
1: Yeah. And for some reason, Emily got her mind wrapped around money pretty quickly as far as being able to save it for big things. And I think it is part of that travel bug that she's got and she wanted to save up and to be able to buy, She really likes fancy cars. So, but now she's having trouble with her Jeep and she's thinking, and I'm like, this is something you rushed into. Like she had the accident with her BMW and she really wanted a Jeep this Jeep. And she's seen it all on looks and how it looked. And I was like, I need you to, you should stop and do some research. You should figure out how much some of these parts cost, how much it's going to cost to put new tires on it, all of these things. And I tried to make her wait a couple weeks before she purchased this Jeep. And she absolutely went back every day until this guy would let her buy this damn Jeep. And now she's a year later. She's like, well, about a year and a half later, she's like, my Jeep isn't running right. And it needs this and it needs that. And I need to get it in. And I'm like, yep. Cause you rushed into this decision. Yep.
0: And you were trying to guide someone who wasn't interested in your guidance. Welcome to what it feels not like to be a projector. And um, yeah, like and I'm finding that is the thing, is like I'm I am I am here to guide. And even if I'm not being invited, I'm still a parent. That is my job is to guide. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of conversations with both of my kids about, you know, the fact that I, I feel unheard so much as a parent unless I'm shouting, I mean, that's, that's universal. Mm-hmm. That's not just a projector, that's universal. But you know, when I, I that tactic that I've changed and now that we've kind of talked about MGs, I'll talk about my generator is the um, the tactic of asking if she wants my advice and trying to be respectful when she doesn't. Like if I'm gonna ask if somebody wants my advice and they say, no, I can still slide it in. But then it's like, basically, it's just so that I can have an outlet for it rather than holding it inside me, because that will just, you know, it's almost like, okay, well, all I was going to say was this. And it's like, okay, well, she didn't want your guidance. She's not going to take that guidance. Even if, even if you think that you're slipping it in and someone's going to be listening to it, um, probably not. But we had a really good situation this last week of kind of an example of waiting to respond. And using her emotional authority because she has been running cross country and her coach, her coach is rather brusque. She isn't someone who, she's been coaching a long time. She's been coaching literally probably hundreds, if not a thousand kids through cross country. And so her delivery of things isn't touchy feely. It's not emotional. It's, it's factual. Like You're, this is what's happening. This is what needs to, to change. And, you know, you need to change. Like basically she told, got told you need to change your attitude and that she could be running varsity as a freshman. And she was, and you know, we kind of talked about, Hey, that's not always everyone's goal. And you know, that's okay. I said, you know, if that's not your goal, that's okay. Yeah. It's never been my expectation for you, but I said, my, my cross country coach was never telling me as a freshman that I could run varsity. Like never. It wasn't because I wasn't there to do that. I was there to, to run with my friends and they, it wasn't highly competitive. I'm very grateful that my, my coach was not a highly competitive coach. Um, for me, at least he, he was, you know, there were people, better runners that he could work on and everything, but when she said that this was what happened—that she got called over with her friend and she got told that they needed to change their attitude and stop running together—I said, "Well, how did that make you feel?" She's like, "Pissed." I was pissed. I was like, "Oh, I—I I get that. I feel that. You know, I can tell that you were pissed just by how you were telling me this story." I said, and, you know, I definitely don't fault you because I think that sometimes the delivery some, you know, I'm not saying that she needs to change how she delivers this news, but I do think that delivery can um, be part of the reason that pisses us off. Our reaction isn't so much the words that are being said, but how they're being said, and that's exactly kind of what her response was. But anyways, she, um, I said, you know, we talked through that feedback and I just, I really said, you know, she's not wrong. But if you if you don't want to run varsity, Laura, you need to be up front with her and say, "I don't want to run varsity," and you can tell her that that's not what you're there to do. And and you need to have that conversation. That's not my conversation to have. Um, and I will support you in your decision if that is your decision. I think her dad would probably be a little bit pissed if she <laughs> <laughs> no. But that's the thing is like moms aren't here to to. I'm not here to make her competitive. I'm here to support her however she is. Um. And I said, but, you know, I just want you to sit with this a little bit. I want you to feel through this because, you know, how you're feeling right now. I just want you to kind of read a little bit more deeply into what she said and and feel it out. And so over the next couple of days, she, you know, was feeling it out. She was changing how she, you know, she was listening to the feedback. She was applying some of the criticism that she got And then yesterday she got told that she was going to be allowed to run varsity this weekend in a race. And her coach actually said to her and and her friend that she was really proud of them. And I think it was really that not, I'm not giving taking any credit for this, but just really in that she showed her coach that she, rather than basically having the attitude that her coach didn't know what she was talking about, she took the attitude of, okay, well, I, I may, may be able to change this, even if it's not necessarily what I want. And um, yeah, I, I just was like, you know, that's where the emotional authority piece, when she brought this to me, I didn't ask her if she wanted my advice. I'm like, maybe I did. I think maybe I did ask her if she wanted to know what I thought about it. And we talked about it. And I think that this was, I love those tangible result things where I can say, this is how we applied something that really actually maybe benefited the outcome in a way that that does align with, within the scope of human design, is asking somebody if they want my feedback, when she said she was open to it, telling her, but not in a way you know that was like, this is what you need to do. It's like, I, you need to feel your way through this. If you feel strongly this way, you need to talk to your coach. If you feel strongly the other way, you need to start doing what she's told you to do you know th- th- those are like the two ways that you can approach it and now she had something that she could feel really proud about and you know i think that that's that's my experience with my generator is you know giving her someone gave her something to respond to and i really encouraged her rather than to go with the gut feeling of go fuck yourself um I'm like, she's coached a lot of people. She's not blowing smoke up your ass. If she she didn't think you could run varsity, she wouldn't tell you. She thought you could run varsity.
1: Exactly. And I think it was nice for you to be able to say, hey, hold on just a second. Give yourself a minute to think through this. And giving her the alternate option. Like if you don't want to run varsity, tell her you don't want to run varsity. It is that simple. Um, but that is, it, it's so amazing to feel and see those tangible results right away. You know, it was a, you know, about a week's worth of, of her not just going with that instant pissed off that reaction of, yeah, I don't, I <laughs> get out of my face coach <laughs> and being able to a week, week and a half, almost two weeks later. Now she's going to be running varsity and on that level where her
0: coach knew she couldn't be mm-hmm. I think yeah The and I'm like there I think that your coach is a great example of someone who isn't really someone you're like we talked about this you're gonna have bosses you're gonna have all kinds of people that aren't going to deliver things in a way that that feels good to you and you're gonna have <laughs> your to life. the feelings exactly of don't react and don't don't react to it in in a way that will put you in a position of then being, you know, not really a troublemaker, but, you know, definitely. I know that she's better than just the, the typical teenage response. Although I expect the typical teenage response. That's why I knew she was pissed when, when this, (laughs) but, um, but she does have the benefit of being a little reserved in how she reacts to things. So she has a way of being reserved that i think that she wouldn't if she were probably a manifesting generator i think that there would have been probably a little bit more of an emily reaction maybe some mm-hmm. eye rolling a little bit of heavy sighing <laughs> oh, Letting- no,
1: emily would have immediately said um i'm not like you i'm not here to run fast thank you though
0: <laughs> yeah exactly And then she would have constantly been trying to make up that. uh, Then when she decided that she did, when she gave her that emotional authority, was like, well, actually I do kind of start, kind of want, she would have had a harder time coming back from that to show that she was um, serious about it because she gave the flippant reaction. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's where manifesting generators do learning that reservation of not reacting as we get older and as Emily has gotten older, she probably has really learned that reaction. It doesn't serve her the same way as it did when she was in middle school and even in high school, because in adulthood, reaction gets your ass fired sometimes. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And I do think that that's the other reason that I do love any sort of team sports or activities that you have an adult trying to guide you. Who's not your parent. I think it's really important life lesson for these kids in junior high and high school to do these extracurricular activities. It's going to give them ample examples of what you'll have as a boss, because like you said, not everybody's going to deliver everything in a way that is kind and you know some people like their information direct you're going to have some people that beat around the bush it's really important Mm -hmm. to to experience some different leadership in your life besides teachers and besides your parents that have to guide you in a way that is more like a boss role and i do feel like like that is one of the things as parents and anytime anybody does ask me for parenting advice i'm like enroll your kids in extracurricular activities (laughs) because I think it's really important for them to learn to work with other kids of their own age mm-hmm. that are not their friends and not their brothers and sisters. And it's really important to be able to take guidance from an adult that's not your parent and that's not your favorite teacher.
0: Agreed. Yep. Coulter, it's been a little bit less about sports and more about things like choir, which I really love. And yesterday he's like, He said the F word to me yesterday because he was like, he said we had to stay late in choir today. And I said, oh, why? He goes, because my classmates can't shut the fuck up. (laughs) Are you one of those? uh, He's he's a sixth grader in a seventh grade class. He's like, I said, he's actually like, he said, of all of those kids, he's probably is the most respectful because he feels a little bit more out of place because mm-hmm. he's not, he's a little bit, I mean, I, I think it's funny, like seventh graders versus sixth graders. It's, it's like, they're, they're not really even upperclassmen. They're pretty much on the same level. I feel like it's, but I'm really very proud of him and I'm interested to see um, this is going to be his last year to do honor choir. And he really wants to do that again this year. Um, and that was great because he had a, a, you know, a woman teaching honor choir who she's dealt with boys for years she's dealt with boys singing and their their rambunctiousness and everything for years and so he sees her and he sees the frustration that she can feel he sees all of those things and like he doesn't want to add to that so i really think that like in that way he is his emotional connection with people and his empathy for people do give him that edge he's not like shoving with, other, you know, if he is shoving with other kids, I think he can really kind of pull it back and be like, Oh, now it's time to focus and listen. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty proud of that kid for, for the effort that he puts into those things. Is this
1: his second year or third year?
0: This would be his third year because he That's did it awesome. year one and then year two was COVID year. So this will be, he did it fourth, fifth, and now sixth will be the last year that they get to do it.
1: That's really exciting. And that's why I said extracurricular, because mm-hmm. on a choir, choir or something like that is just as important as a sports activity. Like you're still working with other people and having to coincide and work together and be able to sing together. And you're still being guided by somebody who's not your parent. And it's nice that he does have that emotional connection and that empathy. Does empathy come along with being a manifesting generator? Or does it come along with emotional authority? Or do you know?
0: Um, I don't even know necessarily if it comes with either. I think that empathy is, I think it does come with the emotion. I'm sorry. I think it is to come with your emotional authority because I think it is your, um, your solar plexus, your, your being able to feel your way through things. But I think that it's also one of those things that it's been conditioned out of a lot of things. Of course, We, we see that the conditioning really becomes a, um, where we worry less about other people's feelings. I think that we, we get conditioned to be selfish in a way, but then we can also be conditioned to be selfless to, to almost a a degree of self selfishness where, when we, when we're so selfless that we don't put any of our own needs first until, Like I was telling somebody about this, like you can be selfless to the point that when it's time, when you've given so much of yourself that now you have to get selfish, it's going to look, it's going to be even harder. And you're going to look like an even bigger asshole when you, when you get to that point. So it's so important to like figure out what that balance is and to not try to be doing things in a selfless way where, when you finally have to put, St- take a step back and say, like, I can't keep giving. I- I'm I'm actually starting to get ill from all of this giving that because I don't think you want people like I don't know. I just think that it doesn't matter what people think about you. But if you're worried that people are going to think you're an asshole for saying no, just wait until you say yes. So many times that then when you say no, then you're the biggest asshole because people aren't used to it anymore.
1: Yep. I, I feel like I've experienced that in my life. I feel like I, I was uh, selfless to a martyr standpoint for a little while as a single mom. And I think you kind of got to be. Like, you got three kids. They all rely on you. you. You have to be selfless to a fault almost for a while. But I think by the time that they were hitting junior high, I was finally able to find some balance and do a few things that were very for myself. Kayaking was one of those things that I... I specifically took on because it was something I needed to do by myself so that, and my children at first thought that that was kind of selfish and other people did too, I think. Um, but ultimately you can't, you can't give your everything to everyone. Otherwise you have nothing left.
0: Uh, exactly. And that I, I, I will say, I feel like I'm a good example of, I do take time for myself to a point that almost where I was even thinking about this because I, somebody was talking on Facebook. I I'm part of a projector group and there was this woman who was saying, you know, I have an MG husband and he doesn't recognize me and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, the thing is, is like, I've been so self recognizing that I don't wait for my partner to give me recognition anymore. Like we've been together for so long now that if I were waiting for my partner to be recognizing me, I'd be bitter as shit all the time. Um, I'm now so to the point that I can do all of those things myself that I don't even invite him to some things anymore because whether or not he's interested in them will not change my participation. And I feel like sometimes that there he might be, he might take on almost the bitterness of a projector from not being invited but it's like, but you can only say no so many times before I stop inviting. You yeah. can only you can only express a lack of interest so many times before I decide. And, and, you know, we don't like a lot of the same things. So it's like, if I want to go to the, the theater, if I want to go to watch a movie that I want to watch, I'll go by myself. I don't have a problem doing that. And. But I also realized because I was reading this article in the guide, I love this magazine and I probably will pay the $25 for the future issues because I just read it so slowly and I go through it. But I read this great article yesterday from this um, this wonderful projector mom. Um, and I'm trying to remember where I was going with this, where she was talking about, because I was talking about doing things on my own. Oh, it, Oh, because I'm a projector, that having both my kids at the same time is really difficult in some ways to be, because they are both competing for my focused attention and my focus can only be on one person at a time. So it's like when we're on family road trips and stuff, it's so like, ah, like shut up you guys. It's so, they fight so much, but it's so different when we're by ourselves, like when I'm in the car with Elora or if I'm in the car with Colter or we're going and doing something, just the two of us, they get the best out of me. And I feel like even Thad yesterday, we went to lunch together, he invited me out to lunch. And I'm that that connection of when someone invites me to do something one-on-one and we have that time together versus in a group, they really do get my best in a way that if we try to do it where I try to tackle two things at once, taking both kids to go do something or go do this, it happens and it's gonna happen. It's part of life, but at the same time, it's like, it's so important to take that time. It's so important to give that focus to one person at a time, um, because our group dynamics, frankly, are kind of fucked.
1: <laughs> That's funny. <clears throat> I think that, I mean, ultimately, most, m- most parental relationships are better one-on-one, but I feel like as a group, we traveled really well together, even though we'd all get irritated. I think Emily was the only one that had a hard time, but she loves traveling so much that even as road trips together, that's some of the funnest times the kids and I ever had. When we road tripped down through, we took five days and went through Yellowstone and tent camps through Yellowstone for five days. Those kids still talk about that trip. And how much fun they had. And I'm like, God, we had such better vacations, but that's the one that they remember. Um That one in our coast vacation right after Trevor graduated from high school are two of the, two of the things that they talk about the most. And I think it's probably because we're all emotional authority and we're all generators or manifesting generators that we did travel really well together with one main goal of, you know,
0: that's probably right because honestly my best vacations are the ones that I took by myself. <laughs> <laughs> going places by myself. Um, and you know, and I, that, that feels like a very selfish thing to say that feels like the, the, but at the same time, like I loved our vacation to LA. I loved Yellowstone. I've loved going places with my family. Don't get me wrong. But if I were to point to the ones where I felt the most at ease, it's when I travel alone and mm-hmm. I don't do it very often, but I have done it a few times and It does. It's really hard to get myself to go on those vacations by myself. And, um, but I will say that that is where the only worrying about myself, it's so liberating. It's so freeing. And it it does bring about like that, that trap that I love to travel too, but it's, it's because I didn't have to divide my focus and Mm -hmm. have, you know, all of these different auras around me. It's like, I got to choose the auras, you know, and I could basically close myself off and decide if I was going to focus on anything or just be and, and, and just be in the moment and drink coffee and read a book and do this and do that. And that, that's really where, yeah, I'm that mom who I love vacationing with my kids, but honestly, I'd rather plan a vacation by myself than, than take my kids places. I love them and we will still go on family vacations and stuff because they need to experience travel that way. But at the same time, like I I need to really not feel selfish about the times that I need to be able to say, okay, guys, this was great. It's hard post pandemic. Like I keep wondering, should I plan to go someplace by myself or should I make sure that Thad and I go someplace together? Because as a couple, we need to have that time too but it, that that is where i kind of tend to to start second guessing myself and that's where the decisions get harder is do i get really selfish and do this for myself or do i spend the energy because it's a lot of energy figuring out where to go and what to do for another person who mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily have the same interests as you so i feel like a lot of times the decisions i'm making in that respect are wrong. I'm doing things that I want to do for a group of people, whether it's me or with Thad and the kids, like LA was a lot of things that I wanted to do. They they had fun. Don't get me wrong. But it was like, that was me driving, driving the whole thing based on what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And that could be where the resistance to that, I get zero, zero patience and tolerance for anyone who resists doing what I want to do, because I took all of the energy to make that plan and execute it.
1: Yeah. I'm, and as, as the person who I am, I never planned anything except for like, oh, we rented a car and I got one hotel on the way. Let's go.
0: Let's go. Let's get in. (laughs) (sighs) Ah, Yeah. Well, I think this was good. I think that we did, we kind of touched on the dynamics of children and their authorities especially ours specifically hopefully that they if they ever listen to this episode they understand you know how much more we we better understand them now and we didn't even talk about Michaela we didn't i was just
1: thinking about that she's a generator too um she's so she's She'd probably
0: be happy if we weren't talking
1: about her. I other. know. I know. I was thinking about that, too. She does prefer the the quiet life. Um, I noticed that her school year this year, she's planned it slightly different. And I think that that's been interesting for me to watch her go through college and go, oh, God, the first year she did too much at once. And the next year she was trying to work and do too much at once. And now she's really kind of gone, okay. I work well if I do this and I'm not doing it too early and I have these few days to do my college work and then I'm going to work on these few days. Mm -hmm. And so she's really separated out her schedule this year. And I'm really proud of her for that. She's also given her some time in between classes where she's not just cramming everything together on the days that she has to come in and do face to face classes. Uh, Yesterday she was, um, a little stressed out about going to one of the classes. So she found out that a few of her classes offer both online and face-to-face. So there's some of those classes that she can just log into a WebEx and not necessarily have to go face-to-face. Um, so I, I'm, I'm proud of her for for figuring out how she works best and how she needs to slowly burn out her energy versus trying to do it all at once. What the first two years of her college, she was really doing everything all week long and sleeping all weekend long. And I mean, literally not getting out of bed. And I'm like, that's kind of unhealthy. You should probably try and find a little bit of a balance in there yeah. uh, to where you're spreading that workout a little bit more. So I think that that's what I've found for her. She's always been good at making decisions. She's never jumped on a decision. I mean, from the time that this little girl was small. So she has felt her emotional authority, I think, in my opinion, very deeply her whole life which i think is interesting because she'll never make a split decision she will always tell me what what she's thinking about and come back a couple weeks later and tell me what it is that she wants to do and she's a good decision maker on that level so i think that that's interesting
0: do you feel like you've always been someone who's kind of directed kids to give you answers in like yes or no format
1: yes probably
0: Okay. Because I'm not, I'm like, here's seven options. Think about all of them. And, and, and I, I've, I've realized that that's kind of, you know, my, my projector-ness is to ask a lot of questions and not necessarily ask them in the format that I would get the best answer from generators or manifesting generators. Um, I can't even say that I've gotten better at that. I just, I'm aware of it. So it's not even about, it's not always about improving everything, everyone. Nope. It's, not being aware of it. So I'll be like, I, I, that is one of those things is being able to ask a more yes or no approach question. Um, and, and, you know, we've talked about this before. The big decisions are where emotional authority really comes into play. Buying a car, moving out, getting a job, you know, those types of things. It's not so much like, what do you want for dinner? Or, um, do you want to, to, you know, those types of things are not the same types of decisions because seriously, if I waited for everybody's emotional authority to decide what was going to be for dinner or waiting for my own emotional authority, I, <laughs> I would never cook because my emotional authority is going to lead me to the path of, I don't have the energy to cook. I'm not going to cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just I think the the awareness is that when you understand someone's human design and their authority better, you can kind of direct them to how their, their especially their strategy and in, in that, you know, every generator has a defined sacral. So that is where a yes or no question is going to be much more effective than, um, well, do you want this or do you want this? Because there's not yes or no. You can say, Okay, so here's what we—the options that we have for dinner. What sounds good? Tuna casserole, yes or no? And it's hard, also, because everyone's votes don't always matter. Can <laughs> vote, but I'm still a dictator, and so if <laughs> I want tuna casserole, that's probably what we're gonna have. So I'll ask you, but I'll probably just make my decision. I'll, I'll take into account your feedback, but it won't necessarily be what I make my decision based.
1: Ooh, on. Won't necessarily change my mind. <laughs> exactly all right well do you feel like we yes. rounded this out I pretty
0: good? So. Yes. Right. well excellent well we are still um you know on our we still have access to if you have questions or you have feedback we we do ask you rate review subscribe all of those things because i'm like i gotta get back in the habit of mentioning those um you can find us on instagram at mary's mentors and facebook we are also at Mary's Mentors and our gmail is just mary's mentors at gmail i just spit because i was laughing <laughs> email.com if you do want to get a hold of us with any questions or feedback
1: all right thanks for listening this week guys bye, bye.